I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is there going to be a final twist in the plot here? Hoiberg. Doherty's up there. Matt Doherty! Extraordinary climax at the King Power Stadium. For so long it seemed to be their game to lose. It looked like they'd lost their game to win. It looked like they'd lost it, but they've clawed it back. Already into time on top, and Bergwijn's going through. And can he finish it here? Steven Bergwijn wins it! Astonishing stuff! Well, you could not have a greater impact as a substitute than that. Well, for so long it seemed there would only be one winner, and it looks like they are going to win it. It's incredible. An incredible end to this game. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rule the Podcast. And welcome back, of course, Raj Baines. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, well, I was, I was most delighted to after that result last night for you to just pop into my WhatsApp being like, yeah, I'm, I'm up for the pod tomorrow, mate. So uh, this is, this is, this is, this is good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, luckily the the diaries fell in such a way that I could jump on. I'm not, I'm not just cherry picking appearances for when we win and it's been like class games or anything like that. Like, uh, and it's not as if like each time you've put one out, you've texted me first and be like, oh, you're free. And then me be like paying you off. Like, no, nah, you do it with someone else. It's, it's just, uh, it's serendipity on this occasion. Is, is this ironically? Is this? It's the lemons. It's the universal energy that has has paved the way for this, right? Yes, somewhat like that. Yeah, mate. given that everything feels quite Pochettino at the minute, that'd be fitting. Look, let's just fucking dive straight in, mate. I mean, I'm this this morning. I've just been a glutton for Spurs content. Do you know what I mean? Just getting it all in, watching yeah. the Titanic versions of it, watching the, <laughs> the the final two minutes of it. That's you know not been cut into highlights. That's out there, kind of in its in its free form. Obviously, watching the highlights, the BT, the Sky, and the Spurs own highlights. Like all, just getting it all in. It's yep. uh, inject it. Well, that's it. And it, I think you tweeted something to the effect: we haven't felt like this in years. You know. Yes. Yeah, it is, and like. Uh... It's funny you say about about the content because I've been exactly the same, like just clicking on the Spurs Instagram and fucking liking everything and stuff. But weirdly, like I think it, I think it makes sense to talk about this result in context of not only the past couple of years but the past few months as well since Conte came in because there was some some people who were immediately like overjoyed with it and. I don't think you know. Don't want to put words into your mouth, but for for me, I, I was sort of more positive about the appointment and everything than I had been anyone else since Pochettino had left. But there was still that you know thing in the back of my head. Was my immediate reaction was, "Oh, let's see how we fuck this up," sort of a thing, um, rather than, "Oh, this is going to be brilliant for the club." And it's taken a little while for 
for it to recapture my imagination and for me to buy in completely just because of the pain of before and that's been huge to get over um and i don't think that's just a me thing but a result like this is so galvanizing it it creates an atmosphere between players fans when you see him diving into stands when you see harry kane actually look like he's enjoying playing for tottenham and talking about we and you know putting out posts that actually seem like he wants to have posted them and somebody in an office somewhere hasn't just you know asked him to or done it on his behalf it does draw you back in and it does make you feel part of something again and we haven't been part of something as a collective for a little while now and the the point about the content is like when Conte first came in everything I think I might have said it on the podcast I can't remember but I know I definitely said it to you privately and I I said it at work as much as well because it's you know it feeds into what I do elsewhere but I was like, oh, you know, we're acting like Conte is Bill Nicholson here and he's not won a game yet. Like, the amount of content we're putting out about him, the Conte cams, the, you know, everything he'd said in a press conference that was fairly banal in, in truth, like getting quoted out like he'd just, you know, the new Rennie Descartes and stuff. It, it was a bit mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was just, I felt it was a bit too full on at first. Like, I was being forced into, like, stop trying to make Conte happen type of a thing. But now, because it was, it was like we know he's good, right? We know he's good. So just kind of, yeah, yeah. But we were treating it like we just signed, you know, like if we were PSG, just signing Messi or something. It felt like that sort of a thing. And I understand why they do it. It's obviously a huge financial investment. He's obviously one of the the best current managers in the world. So you make a fuss about that, especially as Tottenham. You and given what had happened with Nuno and everything, you want to, you know, distance yourself and show what you're about, sort of a thing. And I can't complain like any other club in the world would have done it but it's just because I was I'm different with Tottenham than I am anything else in the world I I deal with Tottenham on a purely emotional basis and I love it because that's what Tottenham are to me is an emotional part of my life it's something that I love and hate and and act purely as a supporter of and, and it's brilliant because it's a it, it still has me to have allows me to have that joy and and sort of emotional relationship with football as, as purely a sport and as a folly um, rather than it becoming, you know, too cynical or anything like that. And I know you fall into traps of doing it every now and then. Um, but mostly I, ju- I just want it to be a pastime. I want to be a Tottenham fan. And that's why, I, I you know, we, we sit down and we, we do this thing. But last night when that happened, I was like, give me the Conte cam. I want to, I want to see the celebration or what's he said. Let, let, give me a quote, like give me all the Bergwijn content. Like I want to see Lucas Morris snatching that guy's woolly at for the hundredth time. Like I absolutely adored it. And it, and it, we needed something like that more than, even if we'd have rolled up to Leicester and won three nil, it wouldn't have been the same. There's something about last minute winners, improbability, that togetherness, the the momentum they'll feel now, this unbeaten run we've got in the Premier League, all of it kind of feels like we're going somewhere and going in the right direction. There's a sense of progression and atmosphere that that we've missed. Even when Nuno beat Man City, it didn't feel like this. All those sort of things. We've had moments where it's felt good. I, think, I mean, the, probably the closest thing we had is when we absolutely tonked um, Man United at Old Trafford. But even that, after a while, was just kind of weird because there weren't fans in the ground and stuff like that. Like there was, it almost it felt existed like it did in a count, vacuum and it, it, right? in a weird way. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Yeah, um, like the if it was amazing to see, but it wasn't. It weren't the same. There was no limbs. There was nobody diving into crowds and stuff. And 
it just wasn't the same. But, you know, last night, going to Leicester, who had absolutely looked like they'd done a job on us, 2-1 up against the runner play both times, and then to have come back and losing in the 94th minute, winning in 96, 97th, it was, it was ridiculous and improbable. And we did it without Romero. We did it without Son. It was brilliant. And that's the sort of thing now where I'm kind of, I'm itching for the next game. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Because I'll be honest with you, Jack, like, them two games that we had with Chelsea in the uh, Carabao Cup, League Cup thing, like, I weren't, too asked for him because I knew what was going to happen like I was it was you know it was after dinner time and I would almost like suggest a walk to the missus like oh we'll go for a walk now sort of a thing and then if I'd missed the first 10-15 minutes of it by the time I got in I wasn't particularly bothered and that, that wasn't me you know what I'm like I was you know need to find a stream regardless of what language it's in need every single moment of Tottenham from every single angle that's that's who I was and I'd got to a point with them where I, I just didn't care that much. Even with big games, you know, League Cup semi-finals against the local rival, just a bit like nonplussed. But if that was this week now, I'd be fucking sat there watching every second of coverage and build-up possible. So it's, it is a, a massive thing and I don't want to overdo what it means, but on a purely emotional level, it is a... It's a massive turning point for me, I think. Of course it is, because it's, it's sort of touching on what you were saying there. And it's, it is interesting with the, the early sort of stuff about Conte is that you can definitely leverage the excitement. And I think everybody was excited to a degree because there's always the, when you bring in a manager like Conte, as, as it was the same when we brought in Mourinho, there's the promise that, you know, we've seen what they've all won and we know what they might be able to bring to an ailing Tottenham team that... You know, we can debate the squad and how strong it is or not, but we're still one of the better teams in the league and you can only sort of hope what they can do with with some of the players that we have available to us. We saw Pochettino do it in the past, you know. Rose and Walker were two of the most maligned players in our squad before he showed up and the rest is history. But things like that last night, like you say, you can't... And this is what I always felt with Conte, is that you you can't fake emotion like the or the, the affection I should say yes because excitement's probably is is an emotion still I guess to a degree um mm-hmm. but you, you you can't fake affection and yeah I, I get it I was excited about Conte coming in to a degree even though I still have my reservations and maybe it's probably changing a bit after last night but there's still the, the part of me that still kind of feels you know has that nagging feeling about whatever if he goes to Real Madrid or something but we don't need to focus yeah, on that. It's still today. early days. It's of like, in, in the course of a relationship, like we've had our first great date. Like we'd been okay, it'd been steady, you know, casual. And like last night, felt like oh, we've we've gone somewhere. Like we'd slept together for. Well, I said we got like, a leg over, didn't we? Last yeah, night? That's yeah, it. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a milestone for us. It was you know the relationship's now gone to the next level. But but I'm hoping that's I hope that's reciprocated because I'm hoping there's a part of him now that's thinking like. There is something here. There, there yeah. is something in these players, and there is, there is a fight there. There is a grit in them that maybe he didn't even think existed. Um, you know, you know, the biggest thing for me last night that, and this is a very odd point for me given what I've said previously, and I, I don't quite need to eat humble pie because I was previously correct. But I think the the biggest sign that I took from last night that something was better and changing, and the thing that I think Conte should as well is Matt Doherty. He was unbelievable. 
he actually looked like a footballer when he came on last night. And look, look, when you say that's his best Spurs performance, oh, without like, a shadow of a doubt, though, isn't if it? If you if you if you filled in a bracket and seeded it, I don't know what else fills out that bracket. It is a fucking competition of one, but. He was very good, and that was the player that we thought we were signing. And he was playing in the right role. He was doing the right things. He, we wouldn't have equalised without him. We wouldn't have had the forward impetus without him. Defensively, he had almost nothing to do, which was a, a help, I'd imagine. But the job he was asked to do when he came on, he did brilliantly. And that just hasn't been the case previously. His, his deliveries was good. His intent was good. His intensity was up there he actually looked like an asset. And I don't suddenly mean that he's going to be the best thing since sliced bread now, but previously I'd, you know, I'd given up on him. I'd, I'd, I just wanted him gone. Like it made no sense to me that he was still at the club. I didn't believe he was a functional footballer in any sense. And last night he proved me wrong. And that can only be happening because of confidence he's been given in coaching and the coaching he's receiving on, on the training field. But and- I, the, the funny thing is, mate, like, you know, you can, you can say that of yourself, but there's plenty. I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've, I have, to be fair, over the course of probably the last year and a half, I have warmed to Dav. I, I know I was kind of, I liked him at first and I went for a very staunch Dav out phase. But other than, I think he got skinned by Harvey Barnes once last night. But other than that, I thought he was imperious. Like, he was, considering he's... And I, I hate to say it, like, Tanganga's just having a mare at the moment. I really I really want it to come good for the lad. But, you know, he's he's probably still one of the, the worrying points to me. But I just thought last night, Sanchez was absolutely imperious. That he was so composed in breaking up their attacks a lot of the time. Robbing the forwards of the ball so cleanly. And just driving the ball forwards. He gave us, from centre-back... So much forward impetus. I thought the way he carried the ball and just released it smartly at so many times was was fantastic. Another one I've got to give a shout out to yesterday as well was Hoybier, who I thought first half he was a, he was a bit guff, but yeah. <laughs> second half I th- I thought he he was unbelievable again. I mean he blocked. The, actually, funnily enough, the the one time Dav did get skinned by Harvey Barnes, it was Hoybier that was there to to come in last second and make the challenge and and stop him from doing it. But obviously he played the ball to Doherty for the equaliser. Excellent ball. Exactly, you know. And like we're saying, it's just, if there is a bit more of a buzz around the squad, it's... Well, there's a few of them, isn't there? There's that Harry Winks has come out and looks at Harry Winks again. And it, you can tell that we always compare people to Pochettino because you would like, if we go through the relationship thing, then it's like the ex-wife that's left us rather than like it being a natural breakup. That's what we're comparing it to try to recapture that and... Pochettino's greatest gift was he made players better than they were and made Tottenham better than the sum of their parts. The the team he had on paper when we were at our best wasn't particularly amazing, but they were because of the players he made them into. Kyle Walker, Danny Rose, Eric Dyer in midfield, those type of players, Deli Alley. Even those little runs we had where Ryan Mason was playing and Townsend was playing and you know Harry Kane's a great example. All these sort of different players that weren't particularly highly rated and, and we probably thought we could do better than at some point he made better than what they are and that is now happening again I don't mean that means that we suddenly don't start going into the transfer market and we repeat previous mistakes but if this is what he's like from this starting point and this is the atmosphere and and sort of ability he's getting from the group as we are at present then there is a sign there to to back him a little bit, to get better sort of plays in, 
to give him more of a chance to compete because it is clear that we can compete. Like Leicester aren't any mugs. This isn't a bad team that we've gone and rolled over. It's not like we've just turned up to, I don't know, Leeds or, or someone who's doing poorly at the minute in league and, and done it to them and you'd expect it to happen, like Burnley or something. We, this is, you know, we've done it to a competent Premier League team who'd won two games on bounce previously, and I think the stat they said last night was the only managers that had won more points since Rodgers had entered league with Leicester is Klopp and Guardiola. Like it's, it's not a poor team there no. that we're playing against, and they've got good players and everything. So we should be proud of that, and we we should rightly be excited about. It. And I think as fans. Having that excitement is a healthy thing, not only for us but for for the club. I mean, dare I say, if we are talking about Pochettino and the kind of the touch paper there, you can't help but draw a parallel with the Aston Villa game, you know, yeah. with with Kane's free kick, and that brings me nicely on to Harry Kane, who last night in particular, but last few games, starting to get the feeling that he's he's woken up again a bit now, um, because yeah, like, he's, he looks night, invested. Last night he was he was unbelievable. His goal for a start was. Harry Kane of old, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. There was a couple he, he could have... There was one where he skied it that was a bit like, oh, mate, that, that yeah. doesn't happen very often. Uh, one he had cleared off the line, which was vintage Harry Kane, like beating the keeper. Don't know how he's found that angle. Wrong foot. like Excellent defending to have stopped him scoring there. The ball he put through for Bergwijn at the end was... Oh, come on. Inch perfect, weighted to perfection. Like, that is... That's Harry Kane at his best. That's Harry Kane... You know, feeling himself, being confident, knowing exactly what he's going to do. That goal isn't happening without him dropping into a pocket of space and picking that pass. And there's nobody else in that team that can play that pass. Um, and very few players in the world that are playing that pass to that level that he did. Um, and it's great to see because, you know, the, the pass is a great example because he's, it's not as if he's not been trying these things all season. He's just been getting it wrong. He's been overplaying things. He's been underplaying things. He's, you know, his finishing hasn't been as crisp as it usually would. It, it, you know, he's, you can visibly see him going through something, but he actually looks engaged now. He looks like Harry Kane again. He, 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 there's that both sides to his game where he's playing nine and ten at the same time. He, he seems like he's enthused and and sort of bought into it now um and that's brilliant to see like we're, we're still in a weird limbo with him like we need him to sign a new deal or or you know come to some sort of understanding of where we're at I, you know but even with the the lack of form up until now and stuff it, it's not as if i'm suddenly wanting him to go and if he's going to be this invested and remain this invested at the club, and he's sort of he's gotten over whatever it was previously about going elsewhere, then you know, give him the money he's after, give him the contract length, just tie him up, sign him up, sort of a thing. Because this is the player now that you know we can talk about Vlahovic and whoever else, Dybala and whoever else you can talk about coming into the team. Nobody's coming in and replacing Harry Kane or, or being Harry Kane for Tottenham Hotspur again. There's, there are too many factors that go into meaning what he means to us and the club and as a footballer and as an entity. And but even it, if we're to get like you know, not even consider all that, which is all very valid, just his tangible output. Nobody's matching that. Nobody is coming close to that. I, I would, I would even defy any like even if we signed someone like Flavić. He won't score as many goals as Harry Kane has at all. This is the thing, right? If we lose Harry Kane, it's not Vlahovic or Dybala. It's both of them. 
you need the pair of them to try and get anywhere near his output. You know, like them scenes in Moneyball where they, they sat around tables and Jonah Hill's talking about who gets on base and what percentage and how many times, and they're like, oh, he does this more. Like, if you sat down and made a spreadsheet of what Harry Kane does and then, like, compared it to what other players do, you need two to replace everything he brings to the team. Because it's not just... It's not just the actual output, it's the concentration and 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 the magnetism he has with defenders. Like the reason that Bergwan was able to run through is he pulled the defender deep just by existing. And that happens. The reason Sonny scores as many goals as he does, one is because he's absolutely brilliant and, and still underrated for my money, but Two is because the defence is so preoccupied with what Harry Kane's doing most of the time. He's got the space to do it. And likewise, you know, it happens vice versa with those two. And yeah, it is it is a very unique situation. The thing that's always worth remembering with Harry Kane is that if you, if you look at him now, if you look at the, the pantheon of... And we're talking like, we're talking people that are, that are, you know, they're almost like marble statues in the halls of Premier League history. We're talking about, you know... Droppers, Omri's, Burkham's, Shearer. Shearer's. Do you know what I mean? Like Harry, like the, these guys stand there. They stand the test of time because because of what they did, what they achieved, but just the numbers they accrued as well. Kane is Kane is rubbing shoulders with them already, and his career is what's probably still got another five years to go. It, At least I just I I still think, I know we've done this one to death, but just a point still needs to be made is like. Don't just don't take him for granted. Don't take for granted just how exceptional he is and how exceptional his kind of Tottenham career has been. I, I think this stuff probably does get overshadowed by oh he hasn't scored in a Carling Cup final or whatever a League Cup final here and there. But you know, come on, <laughs> like let's let's be real about this. Like he's he's just unbelievable. And if 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 he's back and if he's back on board, because I think what probably will play into our favour. Is a you know City are either going to be preoccupied by Haaland or Vlajevic? I think most of the top clubs in Europe are going to be preoccupied with those two. To be honest, now, yeah, Davala's apparently available as well. So that that's I, I sort one. of have a weird feeling we're actually going to get him. You know, mate, I kind of have a bit of a Van der Vaarty type feeling about that one because he's available on a free transfer. So. Yeah, but free transfers aren't free, though, are they? That means you just pay the player a week or whatever, isn't it? Yeah, and then there's a nice golden handshake for him and his agent and all that sort of business. So it's they're not as you know clear cut as as what they seem because clubs essentially with a free transfer have like a blank check to just attack with perks because they don't have to pay a transfer fee. So it's like, oh, you need your house doing, you need your car doing, all that sort of shit, like. You have to. You get in a big pissing contest with other people, like who can put the most attractive, like package together. But I don't disagree. Like we've been linked with him that long. It's either one of those Rivaldo type things where, like, it's just never going to happen, and we're always going to talk about it. Or, you know, there's every possibility that his agent just likes using Tottenham in in things. But the the links are, are there enough, and seemingly sort of concrete enough in, in previous seasons to actually be a real thing. And if it's one of those players that Daniel Levy just has a thing about, then. It's more than likely to happen. Like he, like you say, it might just be somebody that he goes, "Oh, I do fancy him." He might be a bit of a money spinner. People buy his shirts and that sort of a thing. Like it could happen. So I ain't against it, but it's one of them where it has to be as well as Harry Kane or as well as a, a new yeah. striker, rather than instead of. Because if you had him, it's too on much the right, pressure as well. Though on anybody yeah. you sign, it's far too much pressure on them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
if you had him on the right, Sonny on the left, and Harry down the middle, then we're talking. Because then you've you know we we've got Romero at the back. Larice hopefully will sign a new contract soon because he's absolutely unreal. I still find it, and this is this is me being emotional, just being a fan again. But I find it so irritating every time professional commentators, people who are paid to do this job and should have notes in front of them. I know for certain they've got a fucking team sheet in front of them that, that spells it out for them. Hugo Lloris is the captain of Tottenham, yeah, not Harry yeah, Kane. Yeah. Just, just stop calling him the Tottenham captain. I know he might, you know, be a senior member of the squad and vice captain or whatever else. He's not the fucking captain. The bloke who's been wearing the armband for near enough 10 years is, like, just have a bit of respect. Like, I don't understand why that gets up I, my ass I, the way it does. I don't even does. buy because I've seen other people say, well, you know what I mean? He is the de facto captain. It's like, but but he actually isn't. I think all or yeah, nothing. Yeah, he's, he's literally yeah. not the guy that yeah. the World Cup winning captain is. Exactly. All or nothing really showcased that as well. Like, I, I, like obviously, from everything I've said there about Harry Kane, but I'd, I'm kind of of that opinion. Like, I wouldn't ever want him to be captain. I mean, if Lloris went, I'd rather give it to someone like Dyer or someone like that before I did. Kane because I just think Kane needs to be his own entity his own sort of little universe over there and no I think he'd like it because then he can be like Tottenham and England captain it feeds into his brand He's a bit such a and... gammon, though, he? <laughs> yeah but it's one of those little ego strokers for him that is yeah. probably likely to keep him at the club it'll be one of them where it's probably like a contractual thing you'd have like once Hugo Lloris has gone I want to be the next captain at club it'll be like a probably yeah, unspoken yeah. thing it might even write it down in it but it's one of them things where I think he would want to because he, he always takes it as soon as Hugo goes off or he's it's a game where he's not playing in like and I'm not against it like you know you don't need the armband to be a leader suppose not no I'll tell you what while we are here while we're talking about transfers and such um, and we can just talk about the performance of a certain gentleman last night to me I mean I sort of reconciled that he would potentially be going this window but I, I, if it's knee jerk or whatever I'm not asked like now to me Stephen Bergwijn should be a no no sale like I, 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 oh I, yeah he, he, I, he's he's the got optics of it I want to he's got to stay now man like because I, I, I sort of I feel that that lad has been one of the most unlucky like there's been we've we've signed some duds right we've signed some <laughs> whatever we've had sort of like we've had yeah he's not he's not Clinton and G or Uncudu is it no I mean he's not even Giovanni Lo Celso in my opinion like he's he's I, 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 I've always felt there's a really good player in Steven Bergen he's just not had the rub of it do you know what I mean there's just mm. been those the post at Liverpool and he's had a sort of similar opportunity I think actually twice against Liverpool uh, in different fixtures yeah. But I've I've always felt like he's he he works hard. He's he's got decent technique. He's strong. Like he's a decent player. He just needs to come out of his shell a bit. And like I was just obviously I was fucking buzzing about what happened last night. Whoever had scored, but it was that extra layer of it to see him come off the bench when we're sort of talking about him maybe going to Ajax for fifteen million pounds. Yeah. That he comes off the bench and does that and just reminds you of like has this Lucas Mora moment basically mm-hmm. th- that reminds everybody like oh, actually they are a fucking good player really aren't they and they do have this in their locker and I-, I would say probably actually ever since Amsterdam Lucas has kicked on to be a much better foot player than he was more consistently than he was before Amsterdam happened you know yeah uh, so if this if this has sort of sparked something up in Bergwijn I'll, I'll just be delighted because I don't know I've always sort of been rooting for him because I've always liked him I've always thought he seemed like like a good lad and you know he could be a real sort of character somebody in the in the team that 
you could attach yourself to and like yeah because he's young that he could be somebody for the for years that could sort of see the transition away from when the likes of Sonny and stuff start retiring that they'll step up and be a more senior player at that time because yeah Son's the start to Son's Tottenham career wasn't emphatic either really you know no no there were questions over or not we should sell him and stuff whether he was sort of uh, a luxury or not like it took him a little while and similar sort of transfer and, and process to what Bergwijn's been through so I think that's a, a, a fair comparison I don't think he'll ever hit the, the height Son has because I think technically Son is just different class and I think maybe you know there's there's one or two different factors in there but there's there's nothing stopping Stephen being a, a a really worthwhile part of this squad and he has he has little parts to his game that we just don't have in other players in the squad. Conte touched on it post match last night. His one on one abilities, you know that little X factor and spark he's got. Just you don't find that in many places. Like I would rather we invested more time and patience into Bergvine than spending twenty million on Adama Traore. Exactly. Like that, that that to me that's the. That's the project. That's the thing to do. Like I don't, I've never got the Triore fascination to me. Like he seems like a steroided Aaron Lennon that isn't as good. Um, like I, I don't, I don't fully get what the what the appeal of him is. Like clearly he's a great footballer, and there must be something that all these clubs are after him. And and you know he's he's done eye catching things while he's been at Wolves and and Borough and stuff, but. I'd rather just see Bergwijn do better. Like the, the that skill he had against Wolves, where he just sort of almost when he's doing things reactionary and doesn't have time to think about things, he's brilliant. I think last night we we saw a bit of the the chippiness of him as well because he got that yellow card and he had that um, that exchange with Sayonchu, uh, which is you know things that precede unfortunate events. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, so good, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but. It, he he sort of he seems to have a bit about him. He does seem like a nice lad, but he seems to have a bit of a bit of metal needle to him as well, which you need. And and I quite like that. And he's clearly class as well. Like when he you know that goal he had against City on his debut, a finish against United, I think in that first game back after COVID and, and behind closed doors. Like he's shown flashes of it, and he's been almost there for for a very long time. It would be be such a shame to give up on him because he'd probably go back to the Eredivisie and, and you know sitting at Ajax and score 30 goals a season or something and it'd be one of them that almost like a Salah type where somebody's given up on him just too soon and then he ends up going to probably someone like Leicester to be honest for like 30, 40 yeah. million or something and then being best player in the league and everyone's talking about him being worth 80 million or something but even if not that ending up somewhere like Juventus and just being a Champions League kind of level player and just do you know what I mean just being a really yeah, solid yeah, yeah. decent player um, I, I just I don't know I really I really want it to work th- this time and I, I just hope that's the the spark that's kind of going to give it to him Um I mean, if this doesn't do it, then no, it will. No, I mean, well, yeah, that's it. That's it, isn't it? Um, what do you, uh, what do you make of Del Boy's absence of of late? Because I mean, it seems. I, I mean, we can talk about Tangy, but that I mean, that's done, isn't it? I think we know that's done now. Um, but Delhi, I'm still. I'm kind so annoyed of... with Tangy, man. He's so good, and he's just yeah, he is. so lazy. He's just a, a terrible professional. Like somebody just needs to have a word with him and just be like, mate, like, come on. What are you doing? You're wasting your talent now. 
Because he's, un- yeah, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He's, he's excellent. Like that ball he put when he played against Liverpool and just played that ball through to Kane. Like nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing it. The, the last person we had to do that was Christian Eriksen. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's an effortlessness to him, and he just needs to open the effort. Um, because yeah, the, the, it's not no accident that what is it four permanent managers now or something like that in a row of just like not fancied him. And it's not for a lack of quality. It's just there must be some away him that. But yeah, we we we've done that one to death. It's just we know what's going to happen now. He's either going to fade into obscurity elsewhere and and be somebody that permanently doesn't live up to his potential in a you know Balotelli almost ex fashion, or he's going to go somewhere actually realize what he's got to do to be a professional. Somebody's going to capture his imagination, and then people turn around and try and pretend like Tottenham have failed when I don't really know what else the club could have done in that he, one to be honest he, he's got the to me there's a there's a feeling that like I could see yeah, him whatever going to come back to France for a bit and then Chelsea come back in for him do you know what I mean in a few years and he ends up being like really good there. something like that yeah be horrible equally he could be somebody that just like uh, at some point ends up in like China or the Middle yeah, East before yeah, yeah. He needs to, and he's just like living the life and earning shed loads of money by doing no. Qatar. Um, yeah, is what it is. Um, but yeah, I think I think that uh, as soon as somebody gives us an amount, a figure for him that sort of makes Daniel Levy happy enough to to get rid of that uh, investment, then I imagine he'll go. Which is a, a crying shame, but it is what it is. You can you can only try with somebody for so long, and we don't want it to be one of them that just. Either goes really sour, or we absolutely lose our investment in because that's just not great either. Um, Delhi as well. It's it's a weird one. Like he's shown flashes since yeah. you know since he dropped back of being able to do little bits and pieces here. It almost seems as if like the games passed him by a little bit. Um, I'm not sure that I feel really strange about that one because he's not somebody I want to give up on, but. Again, a similar point. Like, there's only so long that you can that you can try. I'd I'd still be more tempted to maybe send him on a loan for a year elsewhere and see if that captures imagination and and maybe regular football elsewhere where there's maybe a little less pressure, a bit of change of scenery that might do something for him. Maybe abroad because I don't want to see him play against Spurs. That would be really strange, and and I, I wouldn't particularly enjoy that. But. He's one of them where... He definitely haunts us as well. He'd be one of those yeah. players that would come back and score a screamer against us, you know? Yeah. But, I don't know. Maybe he needs to just go somewhere that's going to stroke his ego a bit and, you know, give him a bit of feeling back. He would Like, if he went and been, was like Crystal Palace's best player for a season or something like that, that might be good for him. Or equally, if he, you know, went to a Bayern on a weird loan or PSG or something like that, he would enjoy it. I'm just not sure with him. It's such a weird thing. He was so good for so long. Like, he was literally somebody who was worth as much money, if not more, than Harry Kane at some point, like, during them very first seasons where he was breaking through. I think we forget about that. Like, we talk about the likes of Madison and Grealish and Conor Gallagher and all them. He was better for my money. There was more to his game. There was a better level of sophistication. He was doing it on a higher level and on a bigger stage and more consistently than than any of them. And more unexpectedly so from MK Dons. Like 
it was unreal. And it's almost as if like the first time there's been a bit of adversity in, in a footballing sense for him, he's just gone by the wayside a little bit and that's that's a real shame. Maybe it was a you know, too much too soon and he was as he was younger and you know, some people just do plateau uh, and that might be the case, but did I've you no see idea. there was there was there was quite an interesting chart. Somebody um posted this thing about essentially like careers and burnout and all this type of thing and pretty much like Deli Ali, the amount of minutes he played from I think it was something ridiculous, like sixteen, seventeen years old, like professional first team minutes yep. is obscene. It's obscene and it's up there with um people like Wayne Rooney. Michael Owen. Yeah, Michael Owen, Wayne Rooney, Neymar, a lot of these players who have just now have consistent injuries and I mean obviously Rooney's retired and Rooney have but in the latter part of their career yeah who just had consistent injuries and were always played by that narrative that they weren't as good as they used to be or that their form you know people said that about Rooney for years that he was you know that he'd lost whatever it was that he had before even when he was still routinely banging in probably 20 plus goals a season um but yeah it will be it'll be, it'll be a shame to see Delboy go I'm just I'm just finding I'm sort of finding it hard to know really what Spurs are up to at the moment. If we are going to be signing anybody, and because I, I don't really want to get dragged down too much into that, because we've had such a sort of amazing result yesterday, and obviously Conte's showing what he can do with this squad. But yeah. it's that nagging feeling, though, isn't it? You can't escape from the idea of what could what could he achieve? Hmm. Did we drop a bit of dosh though? You know, Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Yeah, the entire club seems to be in a bit of a transitional period at the moment. The strategy across the football inside, clearly with the new director and everything coming in, is is a bit different than it was before. And we seem to just be getting to a place where we're trying to to turn over a fresh leaf and and, and start anew and and deciding who's going to be at the club long term, who isn't, who we place value in, and who we don't because. Little things have happened, like, you know, Mark and Dave's gone to, to Blackburn, and, and at first it was talked about as a loan, and you're like, oh, that makes sense, Blackburn doing well in championship. Um, you know, it's a great signing for Blackburn. And then he went permanently, and you sort of think, oh, he's not really had a, a sniff at first-team football wheels, but, you know, he, he is 20 now. If he's, uh, you know, if he's not going to show potential to be a first-team player at this age, is it, you know, is it ever going to happen? And we just, is this us starting to be a bit more ruthless and go, no, if you're not, good enough for, for Tottenham now, then perhaps you're not going to be. Um, are we just starting to, you know, sell players when they're at peak value rather than, you know, sitting them in the 23s for another year and, 
and you know people just kind of going oh is he just a b team player sort of a thing so it's an odd one where sort of what we're used to and, and how the club used to act is is starting to change and that pathway between the academy and the first team needs to be you know ironed out and actually made into something that makes a little bit more sense than it currently does because it hasn't for a few years there doesn't seem to be as much joined up thinking as they, they should be um which is a shame because we've done really well out of that academy in previous years and in both a business sense and a, and a first team sense and we should be doing better especially for a club of our size and and how good our facilities and everything are it's just the entire footballing side of of Tottenham Hotspur is going through a bit of a change at the minute and it's it's, it's funny is it because I, I agree with you and I, I sort of I feel like we're in a way a bit of a I don't really want to say a pound land Man United, but that's that's what I've landed on. Um, <laughs> in so much as uh, we're kind of we're, we're sort of in this place where we're trying to stay in this kind of top four conversation, to try and stay relevant at the top end of the table, and thus I think the pressure on managers coming in is is greater, right? I'm sure the remit for every single manager, even including Nuno Espirito Santo, was we have to finish in the top four. Um, and so I think the chance to kind of like blood youngsters, unless they're, I mean, say for example, someone like Skip, who I just, I think is, a, is just a brilliant player. I think he's going to be very solid and a very, very good player. Um, yeah. And I think uh, to, to my point earlier, like, I don't think we should, and you know, me as well, I don't think everyone should be expecting every single player that comes through the Tottenham Academy to be of the level of him there's going to be very few maybe it's only one or two a year and if there is only one or two a year that's still good yeah because a player like Skip if we were trying to buy him from elsewhere that's easily 20 million without even blinking about it because 20 million now is like it seems like the base price for anyone Conor Gallagher if you try to buy him now is what 40 50 exactly for it's crazy but it is yeah like you said it's 40 50 million so, by try to buy, if we, say Skip was at Norwich now, they won't be letting him come anywhere near us for less than thirty because of what he'd mean to them. So, for us to have produced that is a is a brilliant achievement for that academy. Uh, and you know the reason why we're selling Mark and Day for half a million or whatever is so that we can pour money into the next person because he's obviously not the same level as Skip. And because if he was, then he'd be playing in first team. So we kind of. I've, I've talked about it previously, like this, the need for us to be more ruthless and uh, get rid of some sentimentality that we have previously because we've we look like a big club and we haven't acted like one. And I think maybe this is a change of mentality for us as well. Where you know, I don't think Man United fans are sat around going, "Oh no, we've let this twenty-year-old go to Blackburn," like because it happens every week for them. Like after football leagues, full of people that, "Oh, do you know he used to be at Man United?" Exactly. Yeah. That that sort of a thing, like, "Oh yeah, he had a few years at uh, City or Chelsea or whatever." Like it happens at every single club, and maybe we just need to get over the point of like every single player that has that, that shows a flash of potential at, in the Tottenham Academy isn't going to be Harry Kane, isn't even going to be Ryan Mason or Andras Townsend. There are, we are going to be creating a few lower-end Premier League, top-end championship, even you know middle-of-the-road championship League One players, it's going to happen. Some players who look like a world-beater at 18 aren't going to be the dog's bollocks at 21. It, just some people don't kick on, it don't work like that. Everyone can't be amazing if... You're not going to have that every single, you know, 
academy graduate class. It, it can't happen. So maybe it's it's a change of mentality for us as well, where we've kind of got to be a bit more realistic about what we're doing. And yeah, if there is one or two and we can give them minutes in, you know, Carabao Cup or whatever else it is, and then if somebody wants them for a decent amount of money because it's going to mean more to them than it does to us, then, then fine. Maybe we'd be a bit more clever about, you know, if he ever does move on, then we either include a, a massive sell-on fee uh, clause, as, as I believe we have done with Mark and Day, or just like a first dibs and a, or a buyback where we go, all right, you can have him, but in two, three years, if suddenly at 25 he looks like best player in the championship, maybe we can we can have him back for a pre-arranged fee or something like that. We, we just have to box a bit cleverer than what we yeah. appear to be doing and at present. I think we've, I mean, I would probably say really the only... The only player it looks like is really like one that we've let go is Noni Madueke so far, who's just been like, I mean, I can't attest to having watched him in the Eredivisie, but from everything you hear, he is a he's a pretty special player. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, it is boxing more clever because if we've let Markande go, I do I believe there is a buyback clause in there as well for us. So, oh, lovely. So as far as far as I'm aware, anyway, I'm, I'm pretty. I'd just sure like to quickly touch on him as well, like Batman, because obviously. One of the, the, I think the first player of British Asian descent to have played for for club and everything. Blackburn are a really good club for him, um, and I feel I, I feel like we've done well by him to let him go there because they are a big club. They've got decent enough support, but off the field they do really well with engaging with the diversity of the town and getting in more diverse fans and things and one of the big things for you know people have asked it for as long as I've been alive where all the British Asian players and everything like that and it's been a you know a cultural thing as well as you know both inside football and outside of getting these players through and, and giving them the ability and belief that they can do it and putting him in a place where you know, young kids can see somebody that looks like them playing in the championship where he's cost a lot of money, he's been a big signing, he's, they've made a big fuss about him, they've got the the people in who, you know, of, of all races, ages and everything that are going to support him. This is the sort of thing that will catch people's attention and, 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 and give people belief that they can do it. And I think this move is a is a... Is something that's going to, in time, be bigger than him. And if there is somewhere for him to land, landing somewhere like Blackburn, where there is the audience for, for that to go as well as it possibly can do, is is right. And I don't know if any of that fed into Tottenham's decision. I imagine it played a big enough role in uh, Blackburn's because he, without wanting to... You know, cast any aspersions over how good he is at football. In a non-footballing sense, the amount of Asians in Blackburn buying a Mark and shirt might be, you know, you know, second to Barrett and Diaz probably. So it, it's a good move all round, and and sort of that was a pleasing thing for me when I saw it. It sort of it made sense in all facets. It's not like they've just farmed him off to. Plymouth or somewhere where yeah, yeah. he's just going to be a fish out of water and people are going to be looking at him in the street like what the fuck are you doing here sort of a thing like he's gone somewhere where he might feel like he belongs and he kicks on and and, and I hope he I hope he turns into a world beater I'd, I'd love him to be best player for Blackburn in a year or two and then you know sniff around Premier League or something because that'd be be massive I mean, by the sounds of it, he probably you know will be on that level as well. But like you say, I mean, whether he is or not, you know, the point you're making is very interesting, very well put, mate. So it's it's always good to consider 
this sort of stuff, isn't it? Outside of kind of what's just happening in the 90 minutes, even though people do get too sort of pent up in, uh, oh, well, his goals are this or his assists are that, you know. I think we, 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 we like to pick and choose as and when football is, you know, more than just a game or not. But I think we all know that's not the truth, isn't it? And the, uh, the, the great the great leveller, as it were, there's there's a lot of good that could be carried by the sport and is carried by the sport. For And I think that's why it riles all of us so much when you see kind of like the rugby community, for example, and how kind of like sort of the way... They rugby look, union. Yeah, the way they look down on like football, football supporters, footballers and everything when yeah. it's, you know most union players are some of the biggest fucking arseholes going, you know? So, yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see how his career does, though. I do hope it does well. And like you're saying, I would, you would like to think that that kind of stuff has factored into the club's thinking because they've known I think these, it definitely yeah, has. They've known these players since they were children. They know their families, you know? they mm. uh, Like you say, they're not just going to, like, fuck him off to because it's not Antonio Conte doing that do you know what I mean no, it's not, no. it's, uh, transfers at that level is it's the club as a as an institution making a decision isn't it it's mm-hmm. so let's hope so um let's touch very briefly um after that on Chelsea because even even prior to to Leicester I sort of had a sneaking suspicion that we might just turn up actually at Stamford Bridge given that they've sort of done us in the cup twice they sort of might be just I don't know, taking their foot off the gas a little bit with us. And plus, their form is patchy at best anyway. I'm sort of hoping now, after last night, the momentum might carry us through into this and, and actually sneak in it. Um, how, how are you You'd feeling You'd think, about wouldn't it? you? <clears throat> if I was being objective about it, then all the points you've made are more than salient, and that is the way that you would read it. As somebody who's supported Tottenham for 30 years... <laughs> When you list all those positives down on paper, it almost seems as if it's a perfect recipe for actual Tottenham Hotspur to turn up and put, you know, not put a stinker in, but you know, lose valiantly or miss out valiantly. It's it seems like one of those where we're all expecting, oh, this could be a special moment here, and it isn't uh, because it's happened all too often. Um, so I have I have zero expectations to be to be quite frank with you about the game. Um, my the biggest thing for me about, ahead of this one that feeds into what I was saying earlier is I'm actually looking forward to it and I don't think I would have been previously I think I would have just been like okay another trip to Stamford Bridge we hardly ever win there I can't see it happening um, you know it might look okay but we'll see and I sort of tentatively watch it with almost a, a resignation of, of defeat uh, before a ball's been even kicked, whereas now I'll 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 have a little bit of hope and I'll I'll be looking forward to a to a performance and wanting to give Chelsea a good go, um, and we'll see how it goes. I don't think a a point is necessarily a bad result there. If we win there, then unbelievable, and you know all the more power to all those lads. Um, but we'll just see how it goes. I, I, I don't want to. It's really difficult to go from one extreme to the other. It's something that I think, I don't know, with age or it's, you know weariness or whatever it is, I'm just sort of, I'm less inclined to those mood swings and it's, it takes me a bit more time now to 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 warm to these sort of things. Maybe, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I am looking forward to it and I, I, I do, I obviously want us to win, but I kind of, I'm, 
I want us to put in a bit of a performance to show what we're about and and be a bit of a continuation. And I know the the away support will be a, a bit more bouncy and up for it now after that win. Uh, you know, Chelsea might be a little bit more wary of us and, and you know have a bit more of a closer eye on us. It'll be a better side that we put out and all that sort of thing. So it's interesting. It's one of those where like it's it's either a great day for us or it's Doctor Tottenham. <laughs> it goes one way or the other, doesn't it? It's you you. You've watched the team long enough, Jack, to know that this is what we do. Well, it's self-preservation, isn't it? Like, you can't... And annoyingly, Chelsea do just... They just always show up against us, you know? It means a lot to them, doesn't it? So, you can't really knock them for that. Like, they they know what it's about, regardless of it. It it would be like if West Ham now got, like, mega money, mad money, and turned into an amazing team. They'd always have that chip on their shoulder with us, and they'd always turn up against us, like they do now, you know? No, it's just, of course. It's just lucky that most of the time they're shite, but you know they mm. they're getting better. Annoyingly, um, so they are starting to catch us out. But yeah, let's. Oh, fuck knows, mate. Let's just hope. Let's hope. Let's hope this is the start of a uh, a beautiful journey under the stewardship of Antonio Conte. Yeah, I mean, I, what I'd like from this season is a decent run in the cup. Um, I I've still not seen us play in an FA Cup final, and we've won eight of the bastards. Since I've been alive, I think we've lost eight semi-finals in a row, if not nine, and that's just not. We need to do better than that now because I'm getting sick of that. Like I want to see us win an FA Cup. Like I almost want us to win an FA Cup as much as I want us to win a Premier League. Like because it, it, it's part of the tradition of the club, isn't it? It's yeah, one of, of those things. You know, every Spurs fan of almost every age, apart from literally mine, <laughs> has memories of us winning stuff that isn't a. Uh, a league cup and we've only got we've got two of them since I've been live and oh that's better than most people of, of most places and stuff have, have seen their team win but you know, we win stuff that is just a thing that Tottenham Hotspur does as an institution we, we're not one of those clubs that just exist and are thereabouts we're not like Newcastle or you know, whatever the Leeds that have won stuff ages ago and then you know I've just sort of rest on that and, and never really do all else like We've consistently won stuff throughout the entire history of the club, and we seem to have stopped it past fifteen years. And I'd, I'd like us to start now and do a decent cup run and finish in Champions League place. If if we got to, you know, semi-finals, final at FA Cup and top four, incredible season, brilliant start for Conte, platform to have a proper crack in the summer, and then next season we we see what we're about and we. I don't think we're quite going to be Chelsea and City level, but we can start thinking that way again and we can start mixing them with them the same way we did with Pochettino and then we might be on to something a little bit. I think one of the main things, and I know this is the sort of stuff that you get called a Levy apologist for or whatever, but whatever, I've been critical of Daniel Levy in the past and I still am to a degree, but one thing I do sort of just keep reminding myself at the moment is that we have literally just come out the back of almost two years of no fans in stadiums, given that the stadium is our main source of, or one of our main sources of revenue, should I say, income, the amount we make from that. The fact we literally just built it and then the football got plunged into behind closed doors, you know, football. Not just football, but everything, all concerts, all the non, the whole part of it was non-match day revenue and there was no non-match day <laughs> revenue. Exactly, but as soon as we start, you know, because we're making probably, I think people say it's about a million pounds a game or so. Mm. 
when this starts properly coming in, I'm I don't know. I've I've just I've got the hope that Tottenham could be like a powerhouse of like self sustainability and just be a well, a real kind of shining kind of you know beacon, I guess. As to it's what not you just that. It's, yeah, it's not just that. It's when we've got a the next year or eighteen months, two years of of being somewhere where there's the biggest boxing fights in the world. There, uh, there's huge concerts. There's NFL four times a year. There's 19 Premier League games, whatever it is, cup games, Champions League nights, all those sort of things. People going, oh, this place is amazing. People doing parasailing, not parasailing, what's it called? Where they go backwards off the side of the stadium. Absailing, that's the one. Um, You know, roof walk. We've both done the roof walk thing, Skywalk, um, club museum, stadium tours, all those sort of things. At some point, there's going to be an American that wants the club. And whether or not that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know. Like, only time will tell. But we are a club ripe to be sold for billions. And there will be a billionaire somewhere who goes, oh, I can stick my franchise here. I can have this Premier League team. Um, I can have Taylor Swift here. I can put, you know, whatever else is going to be played here. Rugby leagues, uh, Challenge Cups there next year, isn't it? Um, Because Wembley's out of action. All that sort of thing, like... It's not only a money spinner; it's a it's a status thing. It is in the right city in the world for it to be. It's it's all of those things. Um, so I still think the end the the thing that's going to happen at some point is somebody is going to buy the club for a ridiculous amount of money, and that might be the the fortune changer. I don't think it's going to be a Gulf State Newcastle style because they just seem to prey on the desperate and and pump money into them. I think it's going to be a business decision from somebody big to to take over Tottenham Hotspur and, and us to be a a headline attraction as of, of part of their portfolio. Um you know, someone you know, Amazon's always been the one that's that we've talked about, but something of that level is, is eventually gonna think that that Tottenham is 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 worth buying into. Part of Bezos' portfolio, you'll never sing that. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.